chapter, thank you, Matthew chapter 5, uh, beginning at the 13th verse. After the Beatitudes, Jesus said to the crowd, you are the salt of the earth. Lots of taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of the law will pass from it until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of the commandment and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So last year, as I was preparing for the Lenten series we had in this church, we called it From Dust to Downpour. And we use the metaphor of water and the characteristics and qualities of water to teach us about the grace of God in our lives. And each Sunday we had a, a different manifestation of water. Um, in preparation for that, I did this video. I know you remember it. It was great. I went out to the reservoir, the Charlottesville Reservoir, just west of town, and um, made a video and I was walking around the reservoir and I was surprised to find out just how large that reservoir is. We drink a lot of water in Charlottesville. And in walking around the reservoir, um, I thought it was a couple of mile hike, but it turned out to be eight miles around that reservoir if you ever go out there. And while I was walking around the reservoir, I was about a mile from the parking, or probably a mile and a half from the parking lot, on the way back side of the reservoir, I found a bench. It was out there on the, far away from any, any mode of transportation, um, a long way from the parking lot. And as I walked up to, the, to this bench, I realized it had been there a long time, and it was weathered. And um, it had been put there by someone who intentionally said, this would be a great spot for a bench. Yeah, you can kind of see the lake. It's kind of inspiring. It's a little steep right here. I really appreciate it because it rained the day before. It was kind of muddy. I didn't want to sit in the mud. And so I was very blessed by this bench, um, this weathered bench, very sturdy, very well built. It was in a good spot. Um, it was cemented in the ground. Somebody had dug post holes into that rocky ground around there and, and filled it with concrete and they'd sunk these four by four posts in it and then they had built this bench with bolts and big screws. It was a sturdy bench. It was built to last and it had been there a while. And I thought somebody picked this spot. Somebody conceived this project to put this but bench here. They, they planned it. They got all the lumber. They got all the material, all the hardware. They'd gotten a permit from the city. And if you ever tried to get a permit from the city, you know that's no easy thing. 
They'd organized a group of people to carry it out there because there's no road to get it out there. So they carried all the lumber. I hope they pre-cut it. I've been smart, right, Alex? That's it. Because <laughs> they didn't have power tools unless they were the battery kind. They'd organized the group. They'd mixed the concrete on the spot. They set the legs. They constructed the bench, and they marked it as an Eagle Scout project. Now, I merely was blessed to sit down, not in the mud. And yet, the fact that that bench is there is a great illustration of the latter part of this sermon that Jesus gave to the people after the Beatitudes. When he gave this sermon, he was inviting people to reconsider their religious practices. And in his day, religion was a lot about rule following and law following. And, and there were scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees all de dedicated to teaching people the rules of the religion and then enforcing them or encouraging people to follow the laws. But um, there were some harsh punishments if you didn't accomplish them. Into this setting, Jesus introduces a spirituality that while it did not ignore the fundamentals or the necessity of physical or political or financial or relational realities of the temporal world, Jesus was inviting people to think of their religion as primarily something of the next world. He called it the kingdom. Those who will be great in the kingdom and those who will be least in the kingdom. He said the least will be the ones who just, uh, that just teach people that the laws are just worthless. He says, I'm not here to get rid of the laws. I'm here to fulfill them. But let me teach you about what that means. It means let the laws, the content of your religion, be primarily an inner life a mystical, theological orientation toward the eternal. Not the temporal about how you observe the Sabbath or what rules you follow. Jesus was kind of saying, there is more reality, sincerity, and real presence of God to be experienced if you will enter this kingdom that is eternal. Now, all the while, Jesus is teaching this more mystical, theological, spiritual way of being religious. He's healing people. He's healing their bodies, their sores, their broken things. He's, he's helping the blind to see. He is addressing inequity. He's, a, he's talking about poverty, blessed are the poor. He, he's, he's addressing oppression and injustice. Um, he's not ignoring these things that need to be done, but he's saying, let them be motivated by the presence of God in your life that transforms you. Not ignoring the temporal. In fact, a great example of, of how radical Jesus was about saying that the temporal is part of how you live out your faith, but not so much by adherence to symbolic things, though they're important. For example, when, when, when Phil read last week about if someone hits you on the cheek, turn them the other cheek, right? Always kind of a tough teaching of Jesus, like we're out to get beat up or something. And, and, and you know, it, there's, there's a passivity to that. There's a peacemaking piece to that. But some scholars think, you know what, there's also a radical element to that teaching. Uh, in, in, in many of the ancient worlds, there were caste systems, and there were some people who were thought were better than others. Uh, certainly men were more important than women in that day. And if you were a, a better person and someone was in your way, you would hit them with the back of your hand to get them out of your way if they're standing in the gate. You slap them on the cheek. Some scholars say, you know what Jesus was teaching his people? He says, 
Don't let people treat you as inferior. If you get backhanded by somebody, turn the other cheek. Make them hit you with the front of their hand because you are all children of God. Now, that's some radical teaching. In a time when people were just accepting of the differences, Jesus introduced this idea of equality and justice for all, that the world might be transformed through the people, the followers of God in the way of Jesus. That's some religion. Jesus turned our attention, instead of the law following, to this internal relationship with God that shows up on the outside and transforms the world. He said, after the Beatitudes, he said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the essential element in all of creation. Salt brings strength, stamina, flavor to this world. You are to do so through love and kindness and mercy. The salt of human spirituality is the fruit of blessing the world, transforming the world through love and kindness and grace and mercy. And without them, this world is tasteless. This world and our religion is worthless. It's just, and it's worth nothing if it's not transformative in you and the world. Just trample it under feet if it's not transformative. So one of the real questions for people who desire to be religious or spiritual it's to say, well, how do I keep my saltiness? How do I stay a part of what God is doing in the world? What do you do to keep your saltiness? Okay, and this is where the law comes in. You make disciplines for yourself. You intentionally pray. You learn how to pray. You study. You serve. You attend worship. You sing. You do these things that in and of themselves are not the salt, but they are what represent how the salt is kept salty. How do we continually invite people into the pursuit of godliness through the manifestations of saltiness, love, kindness, mercy? Well, you want to know how? Merit badges. Well, that's how Methodists do it. We're a people who think you should be disciplined about your spiritual life. You should be intentional about it. Now, we're not the only ones to come up with this idea. The, uh, the Boy Scouts have had it for a long time. But Jesus, for us, we could say the law to the people of Jesus' day were like merit badges to Boy Scouts or T-shirts to 5K runners. Now, I have to admit, I've got a couple of 5K T-shirts, and I never ran a step, Right? You've got your 5K t-shirts. You've got your, uh, where's, is Carolyn here? Carolyn? Okay, if you see Carolyn this morning, she's got a, a Sunday school perfect attendant pins. She must have 20 of them all down her lapel. Anybody here got a Sunday school perfect attendance pen? For, you got, okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Carolyn's a way overachiever. She's got them all down her lapel. And, and you know, she can say, ah, see, I was a perfect attendance in Sunday school. That's better than a, than a T-shirt. Um, lanyards are big, big now. You go to some event, you get a lanyard, you know, with your ticket on it. Oh, I went to that festival or I went to this conference. Bumper stickers. How many people do you know just can't tell what color their car is because their bumper stickers are covering it, advocating all kinds of things. 
Some people get tattoos to advocate what's important to them. Church attendance is something that people do sometimes when they feel like it, sometimes when they don't, because outward sign, a practice, a discipline. Probably the, my least favorite thing that we do today is Facebook reposting. That is, that is, it's the same thing. It's like we are advocating for this thing. Becoming more salty. Keeping your saltiness, as Jesus would say, <clears throat> is the pursuit of adding more merit badges to your religious life, to your spiritual life. The pursuit of the skills and the gifts and the grace that is embedded in the outward sign of a merit badge. Each one of these merit badges any, any Eagle Scouts here? Any Eagle Scouts? There's, okay. Everybody turn around. Look at Sam. I mean, look, 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 Stephen, raise your hand. There he is. Eagle Scout. You know what that means? That dude has a bunch of merit badges to get to Eagle Scout. They represent his willingness to follow a discipline to gain the skills, but you pray that it's not just to fill your uniform with merit badges. It's the skill, the output, the result of that merit badge. Jesus reminds us that the object is not to fill your, your spiritual uniform with merit badges or 5K runs or bumper stickers or lapel pins or perfect attendance. All of these are outward signs of a transformation and a dedication and a determination you to pursue the ways of God to grow in your knowledge and love of God and of the faith merit badges aren't good for anything your church attendance isn't good in anything signing up for Pacham by the way isn't good for anything unless you actually show up and serve so your name on the list is the merit badge that you can all go see who's signed up and who's not and next week if it's not filled I'm going to start reading who's not on there no so don't get me wrong, recognition and outward symbols of achievement are important. Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law, I've come to fulfill it. That what is in the law, what is on the outside, what is on the sign-up sheet, what is on the, what do you call it, genie, sign-up genie online, is merely the outward recognition of that pursuit of the ways of God. And sometimes they serve to inspire or encourage others to pursue God. Um, although salt is a very abundant element, it's probably one of the most abundant elements on this planet. But I think an important thing about, if you know anything about salt, especially in the ancient world, there's very few places you can just go, walk, reach down, pick up a piece of salt and stick it in your mouth. Salt has to be cultivated. You go to the ocean, you get, there's a whole process that you have to learn. Or you go to a salt lick, you pick up the mud. I mean, there's a whole, just look at, Google it. Okay, how did, how did people in ancient times before the last hundred years, how did they get salt? It was work. And you had to spend time doing it and you had to do it regularly because if you ran out of salt, it wasn't good. But the best part about it was once you had it, you could carry it with you. It went with you to make you healthier, to transform you, to transform the world. I was blessed by a piece of salt 
when I found a bench on the backside of the reservoir. It blessed me. And when I was thinking about this sermon, I thought that bench was there as a result of the pursuit of merit badges. But it isn't the merit badge I sat down on. It was a bench. Jesus gave this sermon after the Beatitudes, talked about you are salt. And some scholars say this, this happened in Galilee, according to the scripture, that while Jesus was, was preaching, he's winding, winding up this sermon, uh, he, he then said, after he said, you're the salt of the earth, he said, oh, by the way, you're also the light of the world. And many scholars will say, well, when he said that, he pointed over his shoulder to the city of Safed. Uh, Safed is the the city in Israel, it's the highest elevation city in Israel. And from the Galilean plain, it, it sits up there on this conical um, um, mountain. And you can see it at night. When they lit lamps in Safad, you could see their lamplights from all around. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill. You don't light a lamp and put it under a lampstand. In your pursuit of God, go ahead and wear it on the outside where people can see it. It's okay for people to know that you attended worship. It's okay for people to know that you serve in Pacham or that you serve in other areas um, in our community. We should promote those things because they are encouraging and instructional to others. Jesus was encouraging people to practice a faith that was long-lasting and obvious to the world, a spiritual uniform, if you will, that you keep wanting to add merit badges to, outward signs. They're kind of fun, you know, because you can look back at your journey. They're kind of encouraging to others. There's a lot of kids who are not scouts, and they see a scout in a uniform, and they'll Hey, what's that? Where, and think of the stories kids can tell about how they got each merit badge. It's a great way to share your faith when you can say, and this is where I was, and this is what I learned. And it does transform us to obey the laws and the practices of our religion. It also transforms the world, especially when we do it in a way that people can see it. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works. And sit down on the bench in the world. Now scouting, especially uh, Cub Scouting, um, I, I was a wee below. Never, never made it to a scout. I was just a wee below. <laughs> so funny. Anyway, uh, they have a magazine called Boys Life. Even though scouting is now for girls and boys, um, it's called Boys Life. And in the back of Boys Life, I remember reading the stories. There were her heroism stories or something like that. And last year, uh, there's one of a scout, 11-year-old scout named Christopher in Texas who went to a scouting retreat to get a, merit, to get a set of merit badges because you can go like to a weekend and, and get three or four in one weekend. And he went and he took a first aid class to get his first aid merit, first aid merit badge. And that day, that next week in school, his teacher was up front, and she took a M&M and popped it in her mouth and choked on it. And there's a, it fourth graders or fifth graders. I mean, he's 11 years old, and the whole class is standing there. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, the teacher's turning purple. Christopher jumped up. I just learned what to do in my merit badge. And he gave her the Heimlich, and there goes the M&M across the room. 
The merit badge did not save her. It was the way the merit badge transformed Christopher that made a difference in the world. Just so, Jesus encourages us to be a people who intentionally pursue our walk with God in large ways and small ways, not to, not to, to pursue the law or pursue the merit badge. That's the outward sign. But to internalize it, you are the salt of the earth. Work on keeping your saltiness that this world might be flavored and healthy. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. Let others see your good works. Amen.